Back on this episode of Circle of Trades, I'm Todd Studer in studio today. Travis Waldstein, Air Surf Heating and Air Conditioning and Council Bluffs. Uh, weather has definitely changed and uh, probably not even glancing at air conditioners anymore. No, probably not. And by the time this podcast comes out, frost will officially hit. What growing season will be over. My wife will be done picking the 24 tomato plants or whatever she's got at her house. That, that <laughs> Did you guys plant that many tomato plants? She, I don't know. We got so many tomatoes coming out of her ears you, you don't know she's still picking tomatoes really i, I did too good a job fertilizing these things are the tallest tomato plants there they put the most tomatoes i've ever seen i'm like okay we want to grow a few i didn't plan on growing the whole produce section for a month in our two months actually. so it's going to be the waldstein farmer's market booth now um it probably should be with as many tomatoes <laughs> as we got at our house i mean it is just i mean good i mean she i will give my wife this she's a canning guru you know, between ancestry and Pinterest and canning and freeze drying, I, I mean, you know, I, I definitely have Betty Homemaker going on. So that's a full schedule. Yeah, uh, it very is, and she has a job too. That's a novel thought. So well, I know there's a lot of folks that are listening that are wanting to hear your comments about the Iowa Minnesota game. So do you want to do it in the front or the back end? We'll do it right now. Let's get over with. Okay. Tom O'Day needs to retire. He's a terrible official. His crew's horrible. And they totally missed that call. And, and you know, Aaron Rodgers, I mean, Aaron Rodgers, Pat McAfee, everybody in the world knows saw that was a freaking touchdown. And the only person that's happy about is P.J. Fleck because he either probably got fired because it had been like the ninth time he lost to Iowa. Well, I will say this, too, because I saw P.J. Fleck is at the center of the field giving an interview, praising his team, and said, we just beat one of the best teams in the country. Look, I'm a Hawkeye fan. We're not one of the best teams in the country. You beat one of the best defenses in the country. Well, actually, you got helped by the refs to take a pig (laughs) that stayed at your house that Saturday night. So he might have some metal issues. I, I don't know. I'm still not over it, but you know, when you're the 133rd best offense out of 133 teams, and it's not even close, and, and you know, we, we, we were talking about this last night, is that, you know what, I could do a better job of throwing the ball than a hill can, and, and then my son says, yeah, you'd be like Peter Griffin out on the football field, so. <laughs> That'd be funny. That'd be funny. <laughs> Also in studio today, we have a special guest. Uh, Blake Hunter with Berkshire Hathaway Home Services is here. And why did you want to have Blake in on the podcast? You know what? I've been on his, and he hasn't been on mine. And, and, you know, he's got kind of an interesting story. So, you know, want to poke and prod a little bit, find out about his farming background. Yeah, he's got a college degree, but he's, like, on a lot of different avenues. So we Well, and also, I, I mean, Blake, this is just one man's opinion, but you are one of the best realtors in town. Appreciate that. I mean, because you have, you're doing everything right. And I know that if I send somebody to you, it doesn't matter whether they're a first time home buyer or they're selling a million dollar home, you're going to treat them all the same. And and that it sounds like an advertisement, but that's, I'm not, I mean, I'm not getting paid for this. So, you know, that's, I think a testament to you. And then when I talked to your dad, he said, yeah, Blake's just killing it. So you're doing it right. And I think that you should write a book yeah. and get sent it out to other real estate agents. I appreciate that, Todd. It means a lot coming from you. Yeah. Whether it's a 14 by 70 single wide down in Malmore or a million yeah. dollar mansion. Right. They're all the same, man. baby. <laughs> <laughs> well, and you never know because the, the buyer of one of those single wides may one day be in the market for a house that a bigger house like that and you never know so it's a good thing to treat people with respect top to bottom well and it's um you know 
$200,000 to one person means a lot different than it does to another person. So just because maybe the price point's not there, you know, whether it is a $200,000 house or it's a million dollar house, sometimes those deals, those $200,000 houses are a bigger deal to those people than the people that maybe have more money and have the bigger sale. And so they're in their mind, it's the same to them. And so that's why I try to treat it you know, the same to me. Mm-hmm. And I agree with that. You know, I, this is kind of a script. You know, they talk about lifetime warranties or lifetime things, you know. It depends on your perspective. A lifetime warranty on a piece of equipment's great. Lifetime in prison, it depends if you're 20 or if you're 80. If you're 80, <laughs> that's maybe not such a bad deal. <laughs> okay, I digress. Are, are you saying that's your retirement plan? <laughs> yeah, there you go. Three, three, three hots and a cod, baby. Hey, it's, it's cheap. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> well, we'll put everything in my wife and my kids' name. It'll be all good. So, uh, How about it, Blake? What is your background? Where? I mean, I know your dad's been in real estate for a long time, but what about you? What path were you going to take? I didn't know. For Like most people, I had no idea. But I went to college, got a four-year degree, and kind of towards the end of college, I was, you know, trying to figure out what to do. Got a business degree, and, you know, with that kind of wide open, what am I going to do? Growing up and, you know, summers, I worked on the farm, and so I had some experience. And at the time, kind of going into my senior year of college, the gentleman that I farmed with, he needed a full-time person to come on. And so, it, you know, we had talked about it many times. It was a kind of a hard decision for me to make because did it make a lot of sense for kind of the trajectory that I was on? Not really. And it made a lot of sense for him, but did it make a lot of sense for me? And then as I helped more and got more involved and was able to do more things farming, I realized, I said, you know, this is actually a pretty good opportunity for me. There was not just the opportunity for myself as far as the learning opportunity, but just the financial and business side of it, there was basically a wide open path for me to basically take that over at some point. And so it was there. I, you know, with that at the time, you know, being 21, 22 years old, I got a vehicle and I got a house to live in. And so that was like, well, that's more than most people are probably going to offer me. And I had decent pay. So, and it was like, it was something that I could go to right away when I got done with school and it was solid and knew it was there. So that's what I did. And so, you know, got into that and I wouldn't say quick learned. I love parts of farming. And there's, you know, like most things, there's good and bad things. For me, it was just, it wasn't everything that I was looking for because I felt like my my skill set was different than what the day in, day out of farming was. Did you have to learn that after you got started or is it something that you had thought about before? I think that I'm still learning that, number one, but I think that I was learning through the process, but it took you know, it took a while for me to realize that that it, nothing was really going to change mm-hmm. for me. And, you know, part of what my skill set that I believe is talking to people and being out there and kind of networking and making connections and doing that type of thing and doing that and being a farmer, I won't say that there's none of that, but there's not very much of it. Yeah, if you're down at the elevator or like down at, down at uh, Lake Ohana, you know, 
gambling on Monday night or Friday afternoon or wherever the farmers like to hang out and spend their money, you know, that's, that, yeah. that's kind of it. Yeah. yeah. You're not doing your business, the skill set you went to school for. So you went to school and then you kind of went to another school of hard knocks. So you had a degree, but you said, well, we got this degree, but hey, we're going to go over here. I could have saved four years of college. A hundred percent. And you know, there's things that, you know, people talk about getting their four-year four degree and, you know, obviously a guy in the trades, you know, you have your own opinions about that. And in my opinion with a four-year degree is, you know, it's not necessarily, it's changed and it's not necessarily the things that you learn in the classroom. I think for a lot of young people, it's just making them be responsible for themselves and show up to a place every day and live somewhere else and be away from mom and dad as, as soft as that sounds. I think there's a lot to that. And so I learned a lot from that, you know, also from college athletics, learned a lot of that, but then actually getting out and doing work and learning the business side of the farm, not only is it like just the things that probably everyone thinks about running equipment taking care of the equipment. It's the business decisions that have to be made and, you know, buying, selling, whether it comes to fuel, fertilizer. At that time, um, we were still working through a lawsuit with, from the 2011 floods, because where I was farming was in the river bottoms up Mm -hmm. around DeSoto Bend. And so we were still involved in a class action lawsuit from the floods of 2011 that I was heavily involved with because the guy that I was farming with did not have internet, did not have a computer, and so obviously did not email. <laughs> and so, wow. you know, that I got pretty heavily involved in that and then as well as, you know, this was this was about 2014, 2015 in there. In 2014 had a very crazy hailstorm. Yeah. And so had a huge crop loss, had property loss, and so that was also something that I worked through was an insurance claim th- with crops and checking bins and proving yields. And there's a lot more to it than just planting some corn, picking some corn, hauling it to the elevator. You know, there's a lot more there's, especially when you're farming, you know, 3000 acres, you know, it's a, it's an operation. It's a business. Oh yeah, ha- absolutely. And going through, yeah, going through the, like I said, the flood stuff and then the hail stuff. I remember that hail storm in 2014. We did a lot of hail damage stuff. And it was, I think the one that went from clear up by DeSoto, I think clear east over to Oakland. I mean, it hit a whole yeah. huge swath of, of area. And, of course, when you're dealing with crop insurance, you're dealing with insurance. So before they're going to shell the dime, you have to absolutely 100% of a doubt improve yeah and then the guy you're working for is like in the 18th i mean did he have a did he have a telephone hanging on the he did. <laughs> i don't want to bash the guy he did I, he did he was born in the wrong century yeah but he did you know he knew it. the crazy thing it's almost more impressive that he can do what he's doing without it mm-hmm. and you know especially when it comes to like in today's world especially coming to equipment is like how much how like you know just your like your corn Mm-hmm. everything's programmed in so you know exactly wherever you know it's on an ipad and every you know everything about your crop and he's basically doing it the old school way still with new equipment and you know kind of another interesting fact about him that you know most people if you're familiar with farming and cash renting and those types of things is he does no cash renting 
he, he's 50-50 with everyone crop, that he crop oh, shares. Good. And so he's been able to maintain like really long relationships with families that have owned property for a long time. And even through generations of, you know, of children taking it from their parents and even their, you know, grandchildren, they've instilled enough trust in him that they've maintained crop share instead of the cash rent where they're just collecting a check. Yeah. That's and, fantastic, actually. My, my my cousin does that up in Northwest. I didn't know anybody crop shared around here. That's crazy. So. Yeah, yeah. I've been by, I think I know exactly the farm ground you're talking about. That I've been by there plenty of times, going by DeSoto and circling back around to Wilson Island and that, yep. that particular area yes. there. Yep. So, yeah, I've seen all that. And you're right, back during the flood, it was underwater, all of it. Yep. <laughs> so... Yep, it was like wide river or big lake depends Probably on Probably still picking catfish bones out of that. <laughs> well, and, and I was just about to mention that. You know, what's kind of interesting is that he's still dealing with that. I still talk to him very frequently, and he's still dealing with that today because of a levee washout and basically a pond that was created that's probably 40 or 50 feet deep from the river swirling right. by the levee. And wow. so, like, he's still working with the DNR, especially with property that's bordered against a federal wildlife refuge. Um, he's still dealing with that to this day. And I don't think a lot of people realize that, yeah, was the 2011 flood detrimental? Yes. But I don't think people realize that 10 plus years later, people are still dealing with not just the floods that have happened since, mm-hmm. but still that that very flood. From the original. And then, yep. of course, you just add the... 2019, we only got colder and heck, and, and we had three foot of snow on the ground with zero degrees on February 28th, and March 1st, it gets up to 50 and starts raining like a banshee, and it's like... <laughs> yeah, and there's probably still more problems coming from that. I mean, there's a lot of... It killed a lot of trees, and all of those trees are still sitting out there. Not going to take much of a spark. If it's dry, that is very large pieces of kindling that would go up quick. Yeah, and that, and I used to live right there. I mean, I lived probably 500 yards from the refuge. And oh, so, really? Yeah, oh, wow. and so that was cool. That's kind of one of the things that I liked and didn't like about farming was I knew, I was like, if I'm going to do this, this is where I'm going to be. You can't take the farm with you. And so part of me was still looking for, I, I wanted to try other things, you know, before I decided this is what I'm going to do. But, man, just the tree line used to be so thick, you know. Yep. I remember looking back, and then after that flood, you just slowly see less and less. Dying off, and then you get new growth, but you got the old growth. Like I said, there'll be a fire at some point. And if you go, like, up there, but if you go down south, too, down by uh, Pacific Junction and yet down in that area down there, you know. Yeah. There's a few people that are building, but everything's building their stuff 10 foot <laughs> on stilts. <laughs> yeah, it looks like the Mississippi River. Yeah. You don't go over to the, the Quad Cities, you know, they got houses on stilts. That's, yeah. what, you're have, that's what you're going to have down there. Yeah. So, but, so obviously you got out of farming and, and, and somebody tricked you into getting into real estate or, or twisted your arm or. Well, or, actually, another kind of different direction I went into before I got into real estate was the asphalt business, which. Um, you know, a lot of people have a negative uh, viewpoint of asphalt workers and, but what we did was asphalt paving and rehab, but we did a lot of things for the company I worked for was called Midwest Coatings and there was actually in Modale. So Mm -hmm. just North of Missouri Valley where I was farming and we did stuff for, you know, DOTs, Nebraska, Iowa, Kansas, and then we did a lot of county work and then city municipality work as well. 
some parking lot, privately owned stuff, but that was an experience in itself. You know, I traveled a lot for that job because that was almost the opposite of farming was you had to go find the work (laughs) because there's only so many roads where you live. And so we were traveling all the time, you know, throughout the mid, really the mid Iowa, Nebraska and Kansas. And, you know, that was, you know, probably roughly a hundred nights a year that I was spending in a hotel. Mm-hmm. Well, I was going to ask about that because while well, there's a campground south of here on the interstate, that's what it's designed for is workers that are traveling. Yep. They put campers up long-term there. And I've seen a lot of folks do that Yeah, it, it, in that type of field <clears throat> that if you know, you're going to be working somewhere else, they just buy a camper and that's where they live. Yep. And, and kind of more of the projects that we were on were more like one to two week projects. So it was never really like, we're going to set up camp here and be here for a month or two. It was more like, Hey, we're going to drive over, you know, we're going to drive up to Spencer Mm. and we're going to stay in the local hotel motel holiday Inn, and stay there Monday through Friday, maybe work a weekend if we needed to, whatever, just to get the project done and then head to the next one. So that was, a, I mean, it was a really good experience. I really liked the guy that owned the company and that I worked for. That was part of the reason I stayed as long as I did was just because uh, of him. Really, the work sucked. He knows the work sucks. Um, but, you know, it was another really good opportunity for him because there was a lot of open road. So so when you're talking to trades, asphalt operator, shovel thrower, I could see you on the rollers, you know, leveling out the asphalt. Oh, yeah, you're sitting sideways. <laughs> one of those little ones where you're sitting sideways on it with no, just out in the open. Yeah. No, I, I've, it, kind of unique, I would say compared to, I would take a bet with any anybody against any real estate agent in Council Bluffs that I've operated more equipment than any real estate agent in Council Bluffs. Oh, uh, now if you farm and you've run asphalt businesses, you're you're gonna win that one. Yeah, hands down. <laughs> because it's totally. Di- I mean, it's some of the same stuff, but totally different stuff. And so, great experience overall. But it was at that point, it was time to you know starting a family. The travel was getting exhausting. And this real estate bug, you know, like, like I taught, I'd mentioned my dad's been in business a long time, had a lot of family in the business. And I just had interest in it all the time, but it was, I didn't want to go to college and then come back and then just like try to jump into that. I'm so glad I didn't. It was, timing was right and had a good mentor to get started. And it just has worked out very well so far. Yeah. So now... With the real estate stuff, it, it is kind of, you know, yeah, you, obviously you went and learned some real life experiences before you jumped into real estate. Not that real estate is in real life, but you knew that life. I mean, your family had been around yeah. forever. So, you know, getting in, you know, getting into that. Now, you have, now, are, you're still working as a team. Is that correct? Yes. And, and talk to us a little bit about that dynamic because, you know, I know you got your father and, is Claire Cross still with you yes, guys? Yep. So there's a couple in your team that, yep. you know, and how, how does that work? And how's that beneficial for you as a realtor? So <clears throat> there's a couple things. You know, the team the team aspect has not been very popular. It, it's much more popular in Omaha. Mm-hmm. There's a lot more teams in Omaha, bigger brokerages. And so it's more popular. And you have teams from, you know, small teams of, you know, three people all the way up to these mega teams that have 40 or 50 agents that could be their own brokerage, basically, mm-hmm. but they're a team within a brokerage. Mm. Um, I mean, there's a couple big, bigger of the quote-unquote mega teams at Berkshire Hathaway that are 30, 40 people mm-hmm. big. And so the team aspect is 
kind of growing a little bit more in Council Bluffs or some people starting some new teams, it's really beneficial for a new agent because Mm -hmm. you as a new agent come on and, you know, you can go take the classes, you pass your exam, you have all the, you know, quote unquote tools to get started. But then it's like you show up and you're like, what am I supposed to do? Mm -hmm. There's no job for you to go to every day and report to. And there's nobody that's going to hold you accountable, really, because a lot of these managing brokers are managing a lot of agents and they're not going to hold your hand the whole time if you're an independent agent. Mm -hmm. So a lot of what you get is that mentorship from whoever's mentoring that team. Mm -hmm. You get to be around people that are doing business and Hopefully, you know, the team is producing enough that there is some referrals to be made. You know, like our t- a good example on our team is that not all of our agents are licensed in Nebraska. Mm-hmm. Does that mean that they know people in Nebraska? Yeah, they yeah. still do. But say, you know, there's like, hey, I got somebody over here that needs to sell their house. Or I'm going to help them buy one in Council Bluffs, but I need your help to help me sell the one in Omaha. So there's some of that goes on. And it's just, you know, real estate is, what's interesting is with a team, you know, like Claire, for example, she's newer. Mm -hmm. She kind of started as just an assistant before Mm -hmm. she got her license, which was really good experience for her because she basically knew the business completely before she even had her license. And, you know, for her, it's just being around the business and knowing what to do and just growing in that way. And what's interesting is Claire and I are direct competitors. Yeah, ensemble. Yeah, absolutely. You know, my dad and I are direct competitors. Mm-hmm. Now, are we going to step on each other's toes? No. Mm-hmm. You know, that's kind of what you're not supposed to do. But that is kind of the interesting dynamic. And that's what people, you know, some people get confused even with brokerages. They're like, oh, that person's at MP Dodge and that person's at MP Dodge. Or those two people are at Berkshire. They work together. Mm-hmm. Not really. Yeah. I mean, yeah, they're at the same brokerage. There's some affiliation, but we're all independent agents. Yeah. It's not like WWE or whatever it's called now, you know, the way you got the tag team us together, then, you know, the announcer comes in and starts a bunch of business. Why are you pointing at me? Well, because we're going to use a potster, you know, I, yeah. I, I mean, I'm not a potster. <laughs> so, yeah, so your friends, your compatriots, you, there's some things you do together, but, you know, if Mrs. Jones, who neither one of you knows, is looking to interview you know, yourself or your dad or Claire, whoever else is on your team, you're competing yeah. for, for for that business. But you also have to go out after that business. You can't sit on your duff and wait for the phone ringer. You'll be eating ramen a whole. No, I mean, what's interesting is, you know, if people think about real estate and they think, oh, you're just out showing houses and that's like what you do. Well, it's hard to show any houses if you don't do any prospecting to get the people to show houses too. And so really the true work is in the prospecting and it's mm-hmm. in the it's in the building the relationships and the networking and doing your research and finding the opportunities for people and then connecting those people with those opportunities mm-hmm. than it is just the hey I took some really nice photos of this house or I showed this really cool house I mean that's a very small part of the success of real estate yeah. It's also kind of having your, I don't want to say your ear to the ground and kind of knowing what's going on in the community as well. I mean, it's no different in my business. You know, you have a subdivision that's coming up or, you know, hey, you know that someone's maybe looking to move or, you know, it's, you know, hey, this these properties might be coming up. So a lot of it is your networking is very important to you because and a lot of times in the real estate market and your brokerage firm, 
you may know about stuff that's coming up six months to a year before it's going to come up. But that doesn't mean you're going to necessarily get it. But if you know what it is and you know someone that's interesting, you can start prospecting now if you got clients that are looking for that. Yeah. So, so you're con- you're constantly networking. That's the biggest part. Networking and babysitting, I guess, are the two biggest parts of your job. Yeah, there's a lot of that too. You know, and that's like I was thinking about I was talking to, you know, we had the Council Plus Business Connection meeting this morning and I was talking to one of the guests that was there and I was encouraging him to consider joining the group. And, you know, I said the the benefit is yes, you will get some business directly from this group or you can point your finger at somebody in the group and say, I got some business out of this group. Mm-hmm. But the I would say five times over is the indirect business that comes out of it through opportunities that you get. Um, you know, I've said this many times on my podcast and on other people's podcast is that you know, sitting here in this chair today is one of them. Then, you know, I think about like an event that I did with Cindy and Amber and Dave Lawrence. Yeah, that's uh, the one. That's why we're offered to be the social media coordinator and they politely declined my social media. <laughs> I don't understand why. <laughs> it's just, you know, part of it is just being out there and being open to opportunities to be in front of people. Yeah. Well, you're doing leadership right now too, right? Yep. See, the two biggest things I probably have done in, I've been in business, well, not quite 15 years, it's been 14 and a half, but two biggest things that I've done is CBBC, and then the other one is leadership. When you do leadership council bluffs, and they have these, I think, a lot of places around the country, at least it's popular in the Midwest, you know, you find out what's going on in the city, you find out kind of what's going on in the county too. I mean, they're kind of tied together on some levels, but you get to know the people in charge and you find out a lot of stuff and you find out a lot of history that you don't know otherwise and you've lived this in, in this town your entire life pretty mm-hmm. much but there's probably stuff i'm sure you've already learned that you had absolutely no clue as far as happenings or what's going on and who take who does that so. yeah i mean we're only basically two sessions in we did the opening retreat and then we did the heritage day just a couple of weeks ago which just counts plus history landmarks and those things and yeah, I mean, I was aware of most of those things, but did I know much more than where it was at? Mm-hmm. Not really. And, uh, you know, that's the really cool thing about getting that information is there's so much more than just this town is so much more than what a lot of people give it credit for. Oh, absolutely it is. And so you get that, you get some a sense of pride and just knowing those things is just, it's crazy how beneficial knowing those things really is. Oh, it, it is. I mean, you know, it's like anywhere else. You, you, you can always find the bad, you know, but there's a ton of good stuff that's ha- that's happening, that's going on, and, and people that are trying to do the right thing. And, and, you know, there's a lot of development going on that isn't, I mean, it, it's talked about, but I don't think people understand, especially on the West End of Council Bluffs right now. I just heard today that if you're talking about River's Edge, which is down there yeah. uh, where the pedestrian bridge is and crosses over into Omaha, yeah. they're... Another $60 million is going into that down there. And imagine what, and you've heard, I'm sure, some of the things they're putting in, the big giant climbing wall, which is supposed to be a big tourist thing. And there's a lot of vendor spaces down there for businesses now. And there's the condominiums that are there. And it's just going to keep getting bigger and nicer 
And yeah, and that's the area of town I think that needs it the most. Well, and I've talked to a couple of city council members. I'm going to leave their name off because I live in a county, by the way, so I can't vote in city <laughs> elections just in case everybody ever questions that. And I let them all know that, but they still want to talk to me since I'm a business owner. Yeah, there's a lot of money. You know, there's, uh, I'm not going to get into the do- uh, politics at Dodge Park, There's, but there's a lot of thought process as far as redeveloping that. But, you know, the West Broadway, the West End has been kind of for the last, I moved here in the United States probably for the last 15 years has been a transient community. It used to be an older community and then the people died off or they moved and it became a lot of rental property, which, hey, no problem with that, understand mm-hmm. it. But I think they're trying to reverse that and reverse kind of the stigma. And with the stuff that they're doing, it's going to take time, but I think five or 10 years from now, It'll be a lot different. You'll have a lot different scenario of the West End of Council Bluffs than what you do right now in that whole area. But it's going to take time to develop it. I don't know what I think about the train, but that's... Oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah the uh, streetcar. Yeah, the streetcar. I won't get into... It, it, it's like the Yard on 24th Street. I won't get into that either. I'll be nice. It, it's good that people are looking out for new things for the city. I'll just leave it at that. Yeah. Forward thinking. <laughs> the Edward Scissorhands sculptures, is that what you're referring to? Well, Lakeside, Lakeside and Carter Lake pays cash. That's all I'm going to say for scrap money. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Couldn't help myself. And, and, and I'm a dealer, so I get their dealer pricing. So, you, you know, I just got my sheet yesterday, as a matter of fact. Well, we I know we have a lot of listeners that don't live directly in this area. So, But I think that some of the things you're talking about benefit people everywhere. I mean, you're talking about the... Uh, referral group with the Council Bus Business Connection. For me, another one, which is actually Blake, where you and I first met, was an entrepreneurial meetup uh, through an organization called Advanced Southwest Iowa Corporation. Those meetups exist everywhere. Yeah. And an entrepreneur meetup is an excellent opportunity to get around. And will you get business directly from that? I don't know. But you're going to meet some folks. And I know that I met another mutual friend that we have, Doreen Blakely, at one of those events. Yep. And eventually, I was at a bar here in town talking to them about becoming a Hawkeye sponsor on the radio station. And I looked and I said, do you know we have a local rum distillery here? And they said, no. And I said, yeah, it's, it, it's called the Modern Matriarch. It's great stuff. Would you like to meet the lady that runs it? Yeah. So I called Doreen. 15 minutes later, she's down there. So that's the type of thing. You never know. Yeah, where's, where where, where, where's, my, where's my bottle of the sample? Well, I didn't have I can call Doreen. We can just get it down to the shop. 15 minutes. Yeah, 15 minutes. Let's see. Let's see if we can have her do a tasting for yeah, you. Yeah, they sell it out at the mile away. Next time you're out there, you can get one. Oh, I'll have to ask Charles when I'm out there next. Yeah. So, so. Chris, I'll probably throw stuff at me, but that's okay. So. Well, yeah. <laughs> I, I'm newly located about half a mile from the mile away. Uh-huh. Really? Yeah, so yeah. <clears throat> it'll be my new spot now. That's, I hate, I, I think dive bar has a negative connotation. Yeah. But I have never had a place that I can consider that, yeah, that's just kind of mine. And I walk in there, and everybody knows me. And no, I'm not a drunk. I, it's not, I'm not in there so much. But... You know, if I just need a, a pick-me-up or something to feel a little bit better about myself, I know I can go in there and, you know, one of the owners is going to give me a hard time about something. That's mm-hmm. what she does. And some of the regulars there will chat with me for a while. So it's just a great place. Again, this is how we meet people. 
So you go there for $5 burger night, or is it $6 burger night? No, I haven't I, been in yet. It's $5. Oh, uh, $5. Thursday $5. nights is $5 burgers and fries. You tell me where you can get any place. I drove through McDonald's today because I was really hungry and needed breakfast. <laughs> I spent $8.50 on a number two combo. There you go. There you go. <laughs> I'm not going back. Yeah. I'll tell you what. They got a great menu up there. I got three. My always one of them. Third base is another yeah. one. And actually, they moved their breakfast up in the mornings, too. So they're serving like at 8 or 9 in the morning. Well, and Kickers is another. That's where I was at that I brought Doreen I, in. I always forget about Kickers, but every time I'm there, it's fantastic. Yeah, the food's great. And, and then, like I said, I know Craig up at Bertha's, too. I like to go up there, especially during wrestling season. That's the place to hang out if you want to watch Friday Night Big Ten wrestling. Yeah. It's fantastic. So... So, but, well, uh, there we go. I don't know if we've solved any, any of the world's problems. But. You'll, you'll know if dive bars go out and enjoy and counsel us. But yeah, you'll be, a re- I, I tell you what, it is. I, it really, since Charles took it over, and the, other, the previous management wasn't bad, but they, he's, man, he's pumped his heart and soul and everything into it. I mean, him and his wife. and he painted his, over uh, all that red paint, which is a good thing. Thank goodness. Uh, <laughs> I noticed the Christmas lights are up. So Did they have Christmas lights up yeah, already? it looks pretty inviting. <laughs> We don't talk. Yeah, I said Thanksgiving's coming up, and I was hopefully got a bowl game coming up. So I, they will. Yeah, I was. I mean, they were already bowl eligible, so they'll yeah, get in. Yeah, but but so so obviously, I, I guess kind of since the circles trades, let's circle back and hit at least at one thing on the trades because obviously you've done farming, you've done the asphalt stuff, and your real estate stuff, and yes, you have a college degree, but you've done a lot of stuff that frankly has nothing to do with your college degree. So you've had, I call hands on experience some real life work experiences you know you would tell a little bit of story about how you ran track track in high school so and then you ran in college too then mm-hmm. well yeah. so i'm not going to try to race you anywhere because i mean 50 foot they'll be calling 911 i'll just throw that out there you know i ran track you did yeah you can't well, tell I, I weighed about 75 pounds less than i do now but i did yeah you didn't go to college for it though no no, you went to college for drinking, didn't you? No. <laughs> uh, but if you- I, what did you run? Long distance. So, I mean, in high school, it was a mile, two yeah, mile. Yeah, I ran the mile in high school. And then cross country, you know, <clears throat> college, you got longer. Yeah. But, yeah. I got to know. I'm sorry. I'm hijacking your podcast again, Travis. What's your What was your PR in the mile? 425. Oh, geez. Get the hell out! That, that's uh, th- 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 <laughs> throw me on a moped or my lawnmower or a motorized vehicle, and I'm good. Be- I was so happy when I broke five minutes. I was just I couldn't. Bl- I just I didn't do that. It. I didn't do that till call. I think in high school I was four thirty five, maybe. But listen, four, yeah, but still four thirty five. That that state qualifying. Yeah, I could walk in about eighteen minutes. <laughs> I'm, it is what it is. That's you a brisk walk. Yeah, and it's, it's a golf cart. Yeah, no, yeah. My doctor says. And I said, "How fast can you walk?" My said, "15." He goes, "BS." He says, "Go home and Roy figure it out." I watch. He says, "Yeah, okay, it's 18 minutes. Does that make you feeling better?" Yeah, between 18 and 20 minutes. He says, "What, what was she, what was pulling you the dog?" I said, "Yeah, I did have the dog along. He pulled. He, she did push me along a little bit." So, well, yeah, 20, 20 minutes is three miles an hour. Yeah, so that's you, you're not. Going for a stroll. Then yeah. I mean, it's not a brisk walk, but no. you're, it's a steady pace. The whole thing is get your heart rate up a little bit. That's what they keep telling me. So I think it's just a way for my wife to collect on my life insurance policy. That's my opinion. I watch Hawkeye football for, yeah. to get my heart yeah. rate up. Yeah, I go to see the games in person to get my heart rate up. So... What would you tell? I mean, you were in high school. You've been through the. You've been through stuff, and obviously, you're you know you're successful at what you're doing now. And obviously, you've ended up in a spot. I think that probably fits your business degree really well. But talking to a kid, 
talking to people who are in high school, you know, or, you know, young adults, not sure what to do. What would you tell somebody that's just not sure what the heck they're doing? Um, <clears throat> I would just say to take some chances, you know, and try some things. I'm still in the mindset today where I feel like I'm always in a rush to get to the next thing. But I think if I could go back and tell myself some advice, it would be, you know, there's a lot of time. And so try some different things. Get into something that you enjoy doing. It doesn't have to be, you know, I think, you know, even a college degree for me was just that was kind of the expectation. And, you know, that's just what you did. Mm -hmm. But, man, you know, there's just so many things that I learned. It helps not only just the hands-on things that I've learned from those past experiences, but it's helped me connect with people that are not in the same line of work that I'm in now. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like, and it's just, sometimes it's just relating to things. Um, it's just uh, having some common ground or it's just kind of like reading the room a little bit mm-hmm. and knowing how to talk to people. But, you know, and it's the things like, I look around and, you know, I, I have friends that are, you know, same age as me that have kids and are, you know, fully functioning adults that, couldn't change a tire yeah and it's and i'm just using that as an example it sounds like an old man thing to say but there's so many things where like you know perfect examples like moving into a new house uh you know had hayden out yesterday to put a new water heater in and it's just like could i put that water heater in no i'm not i'm not gonna try but i can probably look at it and tell if something's not right Mm -hmm. just by being around stuff um, you know, or just, it's just like everyday things that you just pick up, like, especially being around the farm, it's like, even like hooking up to a trailer, mm-hmm. knowing how to back a trailer up, <laughs> you know, just like all those little things that so many people are never around. And there's just a lot of like life lessons and small things that you learn, mm-hmm. you know, it's like when people go from renting something like an apartment and then they go buy it, then they go buy a house. And then there's two months into it, and something's broken. They call you and say, well, what are you supposed to do? He's like, well, you own it now. Yeah. <laughs> so probably, if you can't figure it out, you probably need to cut some way to fix it. Well, in the past, I just called the maintenance. It says, well, you are the maintenance now. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I'm sure you've had to have a couple of them conversations. Uh, about every time. you know. And that, <laughs> what's interesting is that's another thing about this job is people think that it's, you know, it's just a short period of time, but man, I spend so much time with people in that couple month period from the time that they start looking or listing their house or whatever and conversations that we have till the day that they sign the paperwork and it's over. But there's so much conversation that goes on beyond that because the old owner's mail is going to their house. You know, a package was delivered. Can you ask them what this light switch does? Can, you know, it's just all those things, you know, that go on and on. I had a guy reach out to me the other day. Um, that had been paying his old homeowner's insurance for two years because <laughs> he hadn't canceled it. And, you know, I thought, I was like, well, shoot. And it's just like I had to go back and find the paperwork for <coughs> to show the proof of sale. That's two years ago, you know, so it's. Wow. Well, that's either a really good thing. It's a four savings account if he gets his money back. That's true. <laughs> oh, my God. 
Yep. Yeah. We rented a few of them once. Well, shoot, I still got my mail going to my old shop. Shoot, one of my distributors, if they get stuff from the factory, they send it to my old shop. So about every other day, Dave Putnam, Midwest Trophies, in my own place now. And he'll send me a picture, which he usually some snide remark about Iowa since he's a corn shucker fan. <laughs> and, you know, he says, hey, I got more of your stuff here. So then I remind him, I said, remember, Dave, be nice. I know where you live. So, <laughs> <laughs> so I know what you're saying. It's like... Yeah, so you never know what you're going to run into. Mm-hmm. Well, before we wrap this up, just to let you know that if I'm backing up a trailer, I still have to put my hand at the bottom of the steering wheel. Oh. <laughs> it, it's oh. like a cheat. Uh, yeah. If you're not cheating. Not it, it, it's a cheat to be able to keep track of what direction you need. And then, you know, for the hitch trailer, not a fifth wheel. Well, well, you know what I saw is great growing up is when you have the 720 John Deere, you know, and, and it's the narrow front and you have and you have the ball on the wheel. And, of course, you got the, you know, the wagon, you know, the tongue moves and, you know, you got to get up close to the auger and stuff. Oh, yeah. It says you, you learn a lot of things about life and. Especially if you got to back up. So yeah, if you were uh, somewhere else uh, listening in on this podcast, this is what it sounds like when you're from Iowa. These are the, <laughs> <laughs> these are the things you talk about, <laughs> John Deere's, and uh, yeah, all of that. So anyway, guys, thank you very much for and thank you, Blake, for coming yeah, in. Yes, and absolutely. Time. Thank you. I'm glad you did. So so good to visit. So, yeah. You now we got going. Out, you say got something at noon today. Got got to go make some money today at noon. Time. Actually, I'm heading over to West Omaha for a baby doctor appointment. Oh, yeah. there you go. Yeah. So that's important. Mm-hmm. Well, I got to go head to High V to talk to some marketing people. <laughs> that sounds like a good time. I, I get to go to Glenwood to talk to somebody about a barn dominium they're building. Oh. So. That'll be a, that would be an interesting project. Oh, this be about our fifth or sixth one we've done now. Yeah, yeah they're a good time. Well, gentlemen, thank you much. Thank you guys. Go Hawks. Go Hawks. <laughs> and we thank you very much for listening to this episode of Circle of Trades. We are back again next week with another. Until then, take care. <laughs>